It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday june 7th 2012 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here as well uh, as usual tonight uh, dad welcome to the program jacob great to be with you looking forward to a great discussion on the virtual bible study tonight we always look forward to our thursday night gatherings on the internet and uh, hope we can discuss some things that will be of great interest and we'll have a great learning opportunity. I think tonight it's going to be one of the more interesting, perhaps more maybe one of the more hair-raising uh, talks uh, on the program tonight. We have an interesting uh, guest on the line. Uh, Andrew Hamlin is 21 years old. He's the uh, the preacher for the uh, Tabernacle Church of God in La Follette, Tennessee. He lives in La Follette, Tennessee with his wife and four children. And he is a serpent-handling uh, pastor they call him, he's been called the new generation of serpent-handling Christians, and he's on the phone with us tonight. To Andrew, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, sir. I'm glad to be on here. And uh, this is an interesting tie-in. Last week we talked about the preacher in West Virginia who had uh, been bitten by a snake in a religious uh, ceremony, and uh, he passed away, and Andrew uh, preached his funeral. Andrew, you were uh, somewhat connected with him. Yes, I was. Randy was a, well, everyone known him as Mac, but we all know him as Brother Randy. Uh, he was a true friend. He was an, he was an elder in the Lord. He was a, he was a, a good, a good friend, a good brother, in, a good brother in Christ. He did, really did was. He, we, did he kind of get you started uh, in the snake handling tradition? No, uh, uh, he was more of a one after I got in, I got into church and after I got into it, he was, he was one that would really give me counsel and guidance if I needed, if I ever had a problem or ever had something I needed, you know, needed help with or needing a needing an older person maybe that's in, you know, been in the Lord longer than I had to give me counsel on. He would really counsel me and help me. Okay, let me add just as a, as a starting point, uh, uh, Andrew. Let me let me just deal with something that almost certainly will come up in people's mind. I, I, I saw in the article there's a big write up in the Nashville, Tennessee, and about y'all. Uh, and in that article, it mentioned that Tennessee outlawed snake handling in religious services back in 1947. So, I mean, that's like 65 years ago or longer. Uh, and in Tennessee, it's illegal to capture wild animals or have poisonous snakes in your possession. So we understand the, the law of Tennessee says don't do that. It's against the law to do that. But you all are doing that. And I just like, I think I know how you're going to answer that, probably the same way I would. How, how do you address those who say, you can't do that, it's illegal? Well, I, I consider it like this now. You know, the word Thomas, you know, to rent, you know, the word said in one place about rendering unto Caesar that which is Caesar and unto God that which is God. A lot of people quote and say the Bible said obey the laws of the land. I, I'm yet to find that in there myself. If, if it's ever found, or, or anyone knows the particular scripture, I'd love to know where it's at, but I've not found obey the laws of the land. But, I mean, there's going to, you know, come a point in time in, in life where, you know, we're not even going to be able to say God's name. We're not going to be able to gather. We're not going to be able to pray. Uh, and this is just one of the many things that 
this world has put away and wanted to outlaw, and which we are in the process of trying to overturn that old law because it, it goes against religious freedom. I'm, I mean, you know, whenever uh, people gather together and, uh, I mean, we, we don't go against the law. I mean, I'm not telling people to go out here and break the law and murder someone or, or you know, do things like that, but, I mean, that goes against God's commandment to take up service. Yeah, and, I, I, and we would agree with that. We take the well, vision. I might. I would probably join Andrew in trying to get the uh, the law overturned. Uh, uh, that yeah. Pro, well, pro, uh, you, you ask where would it, the where would, what Bible would you use to, to say you should obey the laws of the land? I think it's Romans thirteen, the first five verses of Romans thirteen. But I think, uh-huh. but if I if I believed as you believed that this is something God wants us to do, I would argue for, probably from Acts five twenty nine, we ought to obey God rather than men. Whenever man's law contradicts God's law, we we go to God. We don't we don't follow man. We go to God. So I, I, I suspected that was your answer. I think it's the right answer. That's the answer I would give on that All question. All right, so that's, so that's your position on the wall. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Tabernacle Church of God. How big of a congregation is it there? Well, my congregation uh, is about 30 or 35 people, give or take a few. I mean, there are some, some, some services we'll go in. I will have about 15 or 20, maybe when people are out sick or, you know, or they just don't feel good or just don't have the means. But whenever we have everybody there, we, we have a congregation of about, you know, about 35, 30, 35 people. And sometimes, I mean, I've seen it pack out. And I think we had 100 and, like, 1,516 people there one Sunday. I mean, we've, we've had big crowds, and then, which now over the winter, you know, of course, we had some services that were a little off, people, you know, being sick and, you know, and, you know, cold weather and stuff. We dropped down to about 15, 20, but overall, when everyone's there that comes, we've got about 30, 35 full-time members. And, uh, and do people try, I think uh, the newspaper article mentioned people travel from great distances probably to come. There's probably not a lot of, of choices when it comes to finding a church that uh, would, would do this. Well, now, when we have visitors from other churches, they do. Now, all my members live right in the surrounding area. But okay. now, when we do have visitors from the other churches that are affiliated with us and everything, yeah, we do have people that drives quite quite some time to be with us. Now, explain to us the, 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 the way that the service is, uh, is conducted. How, what, do you just, uh, does, when, once you get in there, do you start, you just pick up the snakes and start going? Or how do you, how do you decide it's time to get out the snakes and start to handle them? Well, well, now, uh, there's some service, I, I can't, I mean, like I've told people, you know, you can't predict a service. I mean, you never know what God wants. They, there has been many a service. We went out there. Uh, the Lord has moved in, uh, you know, the Word, because now we do believe the Word of God is the most important part of the service. I mean, serpent handling is good, you know, the dancing, the singing, the shouting, the, you know, play people, all that is wonderful, but the Word is the most important part of any service. But uh, a typical service if serpents are handled, I'll say if they are handled, because like I said, not every service we handle. I mean, if God don't move, they don't get handled. But typical service, if they are handled, uh, you know, we start off with prayer, and we take a prayer request. We let the people, as a request, be known, and, you know, we let the people sing. You know, whoever's got a song on the heart, they'll begin to sing. And if God begins to move in serpent handling, then, you know, uh, you know, we'll begin to take up serpents. It might be just one person. What, what, again, what would be uh, the sign of that? In other words, that... If you were to do it, in other words, you're saying God wants us to do it today, what would be the sign of that to you that you should open the box and take out the snake and start handling it? There's a there's a feeling that moves on me. I mean, just like uh, I, I can't explain it. It's uh, it's a numbness. I mean, it's not an adrenaline rush because now 
believe you me, I've done many a thing in this life to get an adrenaline rush with, and it sure ain't that. But, uh, but I mean, uh, there's a feeling that'll move on you, and it, the Lord will speak to your heart and can, it'll, you know, instruct you on what to do. I mean, it might be instructing you to, to go pray for somebody. It might be instructing you to, you know, uh, you know, to, to take up a serpent. And if it's to take you, up you, a serpent, you'll know it. How do you, how do you know that? Because I feel numb from time to time. My leg maybe falls asleep or something. How do I know that, 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 that means? Oh, no, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot different than a, than something like that. I mean, it's a, it's a feeling. You used the expression I, earlier, better felt than told. Right. It, it's, it's just better felt than told. I mean, I, I can't, I can't put in the words the feeling that God. But is there some? God moves on. Is there some type of instruction associated with it? How do you know that that feeling means that you should pick up the snake versus that feeling means you should put down the snake? How do you d- differentiate these feelings? Well, it's just I guess on your personal relationship with God. I mean, we know that God can't lie, neither can He fail, and He will instruct you to either take it up. Or he'll instruct you to put in the box. I mean, he'll let you know when. I mean, I mean, I don't go in and look at look at somebody and say, "Hey, the Lord told me to tell you to get that snake out." I, I, that that is in no wise how it's done. In other words, I mean, you, you would know, never. In other words, you might have the feeling that you should handle a snake, but you would never try to interpret that for another worshiper. You would never say, exactly. "Brother, you've got to pick up that snake now," because God told me to tell you to pick up that. You don't do that. Exactly. We do not know wise do that. I mean. That would just be, I mean, if God's moving on me to do it, that's one thing. And it's like I've always told people, because when I first got in it, they always said they'll lay them on you. You know, they'll bring them over and lay snakes on you and stuff like that. I've always told Yikes. people, and this is me as a serpent handling pastor, God had better be moving on my end before you lay a rattlesnake around <laughs> my neck. Now, now, you've been bitten, uh, Andrew. You, uh, you've you been bitten, I think you told us, four times, two times yes. pretty sick. Pretty two pretty serious bites where you felt the pain of it, and two times when you didn't. Right. Uh, how bad were the bites that you got? Uh, well, my first bite, I was 19 years old. I wasn't at the church house when I got bit. I was in a building getting them ready. I was in a in a shed getting snakes ready, and uh, and the Lord spoke to my heart like He's ever like He's always instructed me on with serpent handling or with anything. He uh, He spoke to me and told me to leave one alone. And I had four in my left hand, and I was just in the building. I had got four out and had four rattlesnakes in my left hand, and there was about a 23-inch long little yellow rattler laying in the corner of the tank. And we had handled it before. I mean, it had been handled probably 100 times in church. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, leave that one alone. Just, I mean, just as plain as, plain as I'm talking was what was spoke to my heart, leave it alone. And I thought in my mind, well, no, I'm feeling good. I've got these other four in my hand. I, I'm feeling fine. This this fifth one will be all right. I'll pack pack it. I reach and I just gently, gently touched it to went to move it, just like I would any other serpent. Just just touched it, and he turned and bit me on the back of my right hand, right above my my ring finger, right on my knuckle. And and then he just turned and let go. And he never, I mean, he never, he he wasn't sitting in a striking position. He wasn't rattling. He wasn't making no kind of no kind of sign of an aggressive snake. And like I said, you know, I'd handled him before in church. I mean, all of our people at the church I grew up, you know, or not grew up in, but uh, come up in and serpent handling, rather. Uh, we'd handled him before, and he just bit me. And uh, in 10 minutes' time, I was swelling uh, in my hand. I was 
my breathing was becoming constricted, and I was starting to break out like in hives, and and I was just, uh, my tongue began to swell. I got afraid. I went to the hospital. It's no shame to go to the hospital. There's no shame in it at all to go to the hospital because I tell people like this, once you get afraid, if people can sit at home and suffer a snake bite out, that's fine, that's wonderful, and I believe God honors them in that. But if you get afraid and you don't have people around you that can help you pray and help you, you know, and pray for you, you're going to get afraid. I mean, naturally, I was 19-year-old. My twins, uh, they weren't very very old. They were born in March, and I got bit in July of 2010. So, you know, I got scared, and I went on to the hospital. Uh, I stayed in there from Sunday till Tuesday and signed myself out Tuesday. My blood platelet count was zero, and I signed myself out because I wanted out of the hospital. Well, I signed myself out. I went to church Wednesday night. I, I got in and held serpents that Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. I went to a church Thursday night. Got in there. Keep in mind, my arm was as big as my leg, and my my whole side was black. My blood platelet count was zero, and, and of course, not being under no medical attention, I didn't know what my blood platelet count was from Tuesday till the following Saturday. But uh, the Thursday night, I was up at church. I was, you know, I, I got in. I was howling serpents. I was shouting. I was dancing. And I was preaching, and I went to say, God is still God, and I got God is still God out. And when I got to the word God, I began to vomit blood. When I began to vomit blood, I, they laid me down or set me down on the altar, and uh, I felt myself falling backwards. And I believe with all my heart I was dying. And there was a brother come over. He got the oil bottle. He anointed my head, and we did. Uh, it felt like you slammed the brakes on in the car, and it just jerked me back, too. Well, then the following Saturday... I decided to go on back to the hospital and let them check my blood. My blood platelet count was zero. I was bleeding from my, my internal organs. I was I had internal bleeding everywhere. I was bleeding from my bowels, my kidney. They thought I was bleeding into my lungs, and they thought I was hemorrhaging. And uh, and but I just I felt that I was going to be all right. I, I just I felt that, and I told the Lord. And now you know this sounds a little different. I know to the whole world, but uh, I told the Lord if I could hear my pastor at the time, Brother Jamie Coates, if I could hear him speak in tongues and him lay hands on me, I know I would be all right and I would not die. And uh, and, and they were fixing to have church. If he left church, he felt, you know, to come up and pray for me at the hospital before they flew me out a second time. And uh, here he come. I heard him coming up the, the ER uh, room. He was speaking in tongues. And he come in, he laid his hands on me. He prayed for me, and I knew then I was going to be fine. I stayed in the hospital, I think, about half a week, maybe a week. And when I got out, I was I was just fine. But then my second bite was a month, a week, and a day later. I got bit twice in the back of the head with a four-and-a-half-foot cotton mouth, and I never suffered. I never had the first pain. I never swelled. I was, when he bit me, I'd, uh, I was preaching on, on people being hypocrites. That's what I was preaching on, as a matter of fact. I, I'll never forget it. I, pre- I mean, if I, tell you not to, if I tell you not to drink pop, I better not drink one myself, if you know what I'm saying. Right. You know, I mean, and that's what I was preaching on. And the Lord moved on me, and I got that big cotton mouth out, and I was handling it. And some of the people that was there were coming against my message, and which they weren't really coming against me. They were coming against what God had gave me to preach because they were the kind of people that done that. And I held that big cotton mouth up in my left hand. And when I held him up, he reached over, and he bit me once right above the hairline in the head, right in the, the back of the head, and let go. He wheeled around, and he bit me the second time in the hairline and in the neck, right in the muscle, right in the middle of my neck. And for about 8 to 12 seconds, he held on and just shook. All I felt in the back of my neck was like someone 
piercingly massaging the back of my neck. But I never did stop dancing. I was speaking in tongues. I never did quit feeling God the whole time. He let me go. I handled him probably another five to ten minutes. I put him in the box. I kept preaching. And and I, I and the devil, of course, came to my mind. The enemy was fighting me, saying, you're, you're going to die from this. You've been bit in the head. You are going to die. But I, I never felt that. I was, wasn't afraid. I kept you know my mind on the Lord. The Lord kept moving. And I never swelled. I never bruised. I bled. Now, I had a white shirt on that day, and the, to the collar was was red. The whole collar and down toward the back of my, and about midway of my back was red with blood. I had on a had on a three piece pinstripe suit that day, and a and a, the suit never got bloody, but the shirt did. And, well, uh, but Andrew, let, let me. I mean, I'm I'm intrigued by your story. Let me. Add. It makes. It's sort of making my, my stomach a little bit uneasier. Jacob's got a, uh, I mean, got a weak I mean, stomach yeah, about yeah. blood oh, and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just saying that this is pretty intense, that, uh, what you're doing here. Now, did, I, I, the question came to mind, you got bit twice. Was God telling you to handle the snakes at the time that you got bit? Well, no, yeah, you, said, you said that yellow, that little yellow... Uh, timber rattler that bit you you said god was telling you not to handle that one why did you go ahead and do it out of ignorance disobedience to god uh i got i was in a i was in where i was young and god had anointed me to handle serpents a few times so i was in a spunky version of of okay you know i'm you know god's anointed me now i know i can do it and that's just not the way of it god might anoint you to do see i tell people all the time there is people in this world that God might anoint just one time in their life to let them feel that, them do it, and they'll never do it again because God might move on them to do something else. Yeah. Now, now, Andrew, and then, and then there's some people that'll never do it in this lifetime. Now, but Andrew, that don't that mean they're going to. That don't mean they're not going to heaven. The time you got bit twice in the back of the neck, uh, had God told you to hand, pick up the snake then? Yes. Okay. The Lord had moved on me Was he to the- handle that serpent, and and like I said, I mean, if I would have suffered. And, and I would have hurt. Then, I mean, if you suffer and hurt, you know, God is not moved on you because God will not put you out on a limb and cut it off. Okay, so, okay, you, you, so, you, well, so, so he told you to pick it up so you could get bitten but not, not suffer. Right. Okay. Uh, now, he never spoke to me. He never spoke to me and said, hey, Andrew, you're going to handle this. It's going to bite you. It's not going to hurt you. He never spoke it to me. Now, this is my interpretation of the reason why I got bit in the head. Now, this is my my belief why it was the message I was preaching the people that were coming against that message they thought I had nothing with God they thought I was a nothing so to speak and I believe personally that was God showing that he had anointed me to preach that message that he had you know that that he that he was moving on me that day now, so to speak that I, I have a question Andrew that came to mind earlier today how would your practice differ from that of the snake charmer? Yeah, the, the, well, the, how, how do I know? How do charmer, I? How do I know that you're different than a snake charmer? Because a snake charmer is going to do some of the similar things that you're doing in your church service. Sure. How do I know that that you are different than a snake hand? I mean, a snake charmer. Well, the snake charmer, of course. Now, there, you know, I mean, as far as what I've seen on television and stuff, you know, they do it for like a side show. I mean, we're not side, we're not a sideshow, and you know, then there's half that you know a lot of them are are defanged and they're venomoid serpents. They don't have their venom glands. Ours is is full blown venomous. I mean, we don't defang them, we don't milk them, we don't do nothing like that. 
another thing is, like I said, you know, they do that to, to make their living. We, we do it because the Word of God, you know, taught us that they shall take up serpents. There's a not in the God that lets you do it. But if I could say that any way we're different, I'm not about smack handling. I mean, I love to do it when the Lord moves on me, but I'm envious. The reason I got saved was because His Spirit drove me to Him. The, the love of God is in my life, and I'm out to see people saved. I want to see lost souls saved. I'm not in this for some kind of sideshow freak attraction. Right. I'm not in this to draw money. Lord in heaven knows we, we don't get paid for nothing, so, I mean, we ain't getting money off of this. Right. And uh, I'm not in this for some kind of publicity for my name to be known. I just want to reach, if I can reach one lost soul through any interview I ever do, through any media coverage that's ever done, It'll be worth my entire lifetime as a as a pastor, as a minister, and as a child of God to witness to someone and say, "Hey, God loves you. You might be the one sitting there with a pistol in your mouth fixing to blow your brains out, and you might flip over your TV and say and see, oh, oh my Lord, there's these people. I think they really got it with God. You come down here, you visit, you get saved, you feel that realness in God." And that's worth it all because it changed your changed your life to see a realness, a, a deepness, a, a higher height and a deeper depth, if you will. And, that, and, I, and God. And yeah. what 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 purpose do you think God has in 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 having you handle snakes? What is the what is why do you think He wants you to handle snakes? Well, so many times people belittle God. I mean, we believe. I mean, of course, in, in this part of the area and probably around the world as well, people will tell stories. Well, God healed my grandmother of, 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 uh, of polio, or God healed my grandfather of cancer, or my grandfather was blind and God healed him. But now God can't do that nowadays. It's what they'll, they kind of demean or they kind of say. They kind of belittle God in this day and time. Well, I want, I want to be clear where we're coming from, yeah. Andrew, that we are, we are of that position that God does not do miraculous healings or, or make other miraculous manifestations. doesn't empower men to do miraculous things these days. We are of that opinion. I don't want to leave you the wrong impression. We're interested right. in your story, but that's that. But we do not believe that's belittling God. We believe that that's simply that God has put those limits uh, in place. In other words, we're not limiting Him, but He's chosen to limit Himself. That that the miracles of the New Testament, we believe every single one of them, but that right. the miracles of the New Testament were there for a purpose. When they had achieved right. their purpose and fulfilled their purpose, then God took them away. That's where we're at. Uh, well. Well, my opinion on that is is the same God that moved on the holy men of old moves on us today. I mean, I, I believe men and women in this day and time can have that connection with God. All right. Let, let, I, I, I've seen too many things other than serpent handling that that makes me to believe that. I, we've seen, I've seen a child. Uh, he was about two and a half years old. Uh, he had tumors, and he had a he had a growth on the side of his head in a. And we prayed for him, not us. It was not us that done performed the miracle. I, I mean, I want to stress that. It's not us to handle the serpent in ourselves, so to speak. It's not us that lays hands on the sick and sees them recover. It's not us in ourselves. It's God working through us. And uh, and I, that's what I want to encourage is, you know, maybe people that have the opinion, you know, like you said, that God limited it to himself, that, it, that he's not, that he is still all-powerful and he can still do these things in this day and time. It's you know it's a thing that well I, I, I want you to I want you to know we believe God is all powerful God can do anything that He chooses to do but one thing right. God doesn't do is that God doesn't violate His revelation in other words He doesn't do what He said He wouldn't do 
and he, and he doesn't fail to do what he says he would do. God, in other words, God keeps his word. And if it's established in his word that he said that he's going to bring an end to miracles, then that's him doing it, not us doing it. Uh, and, and, and that's just a matter of that. But we're not, it, it, we're in total agreement that God is all powerful and can do whatever he chooses to do. Let me ask you, let, let me go to some questions that were sent in from some of our listeners and, uh, just get, just get a quick take we, uh, on, on these questions. I think there's some interesting ones. One, we got the question, why did, did Mac Walford die? Why do you think he died last week from a snake bite? And that's that was his, my, my opinion is that was his appointed time to die, and that was the way God had preordained him for the foundation of this world to die. What kind of, but I mean, if, if, if snake handling is a sign, What's the sign of Mac Walford dying? What's the sign? In other words, right, because no, I don't elders. see any conditions. I don't see any conditions on Mark 16, uh, verse 18. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And uh, that's pretty. And if I'm going to interpret the Bible the way that you do, Andrew, uh, and interpret my, Mark 16, verse 18 that way, that seems like sounds like a guarantee to me. He says that they're they're going to take up serpents. Well, see, uh, that that's I mean that's how I interpret it. Is they shall take up serpents. It meant that the, these signs would follow them that believe. Of course, if you don't believe in or don't uh, believe it, but no, Mac, but Mac did. It. Mac did believe in that. Exactly. But but no, so what sign are we taking away from the fact that he ended up dying of a snake bite, and his father ended up dying of a snake bite before him? What what is the takeaway? I, in other words, if you're saying these these this snake handling is meant to be a sign. Then there must be some sign associated with the fact that Mac and his father and others have died in these religious services. What's what is the sign that God's trying to convey when He lets these snake handling uh, uh, preachers and so forth die from their snake bites? Well, like I, like I said, you know, the Lord told us it's once upon and the man to die. If I pull out in my vehicle and die in my car wreck, that was uh, die in a car wreck. That's how I was appointed to die. If I, now this now this is just my opinion, my opinion on it, and I mean. You know, I'm open to any other point of view. I mean, there's even people that handle serpents. There's there's people that believe this. I don't believe this myself. They believe if you take up the serpent and hit bites and kills you, that you have died lost, that that you had sin in your life at some some point in some way to die that way. Me, I do not believe that. I don't believe it natural that necessarily means you go to heaven. I'm not telling no one, hey, hurry up and get bit by this snake and you'll go to heaven. I'm not saying that at all. But it's once appointed unto men to die, and after this judgment, I'm a firm believer that we're predestined before the foundation of this world. I believe that, you know, ever how it is that we die was how we was appointed to die, and I believe that's how Mac, his, uh, or Randy, uh, his daddy, uh, anyone that's ever been bitten and died, that was their appointed way to go. I mean, of course, it does bring a lot of persecution on, on, on the church, and of course, it brings a lot of people that says, hey, you know, this ain't for us. You know, this wasn't real. God wouldn't, you know, do that. But that's how they were appointed to die, and in my opinion. Uh, I, I, I see what you're saying, Andrew, but I think I, I think God should have re- written Mark 16, verse 18, they may take up serpents rather than they shall, because it seems like to me that God might let you get bit by a snake and die. Well... The Lord knows what he was doing when he wrote it in there. Uh, I mean, hey, why, another question here from a listener. Why are young people and women not allowed to handle snakes? The, the, the article in Tennessee and say you don't let the young people and you don't let the women handle the snakes. If these are, uh, well, I, think, I, think, I think they kind of misunderstood the article. Okay. We do not let no one under 18 handle serpents simply because 
that goes into child endangerment, child neglect, and things like that. And we do what we can to keep the law off of us. Now, I, I, I will be honest, in my time of Serpent Helen, I have heard of stories of way back years ago, 50s, 60s, of, you know, children 12, 13, handling serpents just as pretty as they please. But now that's the reason I don't allow. Okay. No one under that makes sense. That makes sense. I got you. Uh, now, as for the women, now my wife handles them just as much as I do. Okay. Now, our women handle. Now, I teach. I teach my people this. This is what I preach. Uh, the word taught us. Now, now I do not mean this in no disregard to a woman. A woman has just as much right in us partaking the service as a man does. I hope no one takes this offensively. The words you know taught about the woman being the weaker vessel. Or if we're taking up a serpent and it crawls or it moves or it turns around or whatever, you know, it might not bother us. Just say if a, a sister comes up, a, a lady in the church, she's handling one, it kind of moves or crawls, maybe she might get fear on her. I teach my I teach my men and I teach, you know, the older sisters to, you know, kind of watch over these the, 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 the first-time handlers, you know, the ones that have, that it may be just, just come into the church, whether it be 18, whether it be 35, ever how old they are, if they just... You know, they, when they get saved and they really buy fruits where they repent, I encourage people to watch out for one another, to kind of, you know, pray for people and pray them with one another. But now now my wife, she goes she goes to the box just like I do. She gets them out at times just like I do. And, and I mean, I, I have nothing wrong okay. with a woman handling her. Okay. Not All at right. all. Let me let me get go to some more questions you, here, Andy. Uh, just curious, do you do you have like a snake handling training? To, uh, no. Sir? You say so you just you just in a service if it's your first time you just go up and pick one up and go. No, if it's uh, if it's their first time, generally what I've always done with someone with if if God instructs them to come handle it, you know, and I've got it in my hand. I've I, now my first time I went to the box and got my own out. The first time I ever handled one, I went to the box and got myself, which I had been going for one year. I had really bought four fruit, excuse me, four fruits worthy of repentance. I showed. I proved myself to God that, God, I really want to know what this feels like. God anointed me to go in the box. I got my first one out myself. But if someone comes to me and God is moving in, sir, they don't come up to me on the show and say, hey, Brother Andrew, I, I feel led to handle it. They don't do that. It's a connection in God. You know, it goes from faith to faith, and it, it'll connect you. And if they come up, a lot of times I've always, you know, if I've handed some, if they come up and they got it from me and I handed someone their first serpent, you know, they would maybe hold it and handle it and just for maybe a few seconds and then they've handed it back to me or I'll, I'll reach and get it back or a lot of times I've held held the serpent's heads right in the palm of my hands and they handled it and then I'd reach around and get it simply because I, I watch out for people I have a love for people and I want to protect people okay alright um, let me ask you a couple more questions real quick we're keeping you longer maybe than you, than you have time to stay with us but let me ask you a couple more questions from some listeners uh why do you not routinely drink lethal doses of toxic liquids? If the verse commands snake handling, it commands drinking deadly things, meaning amounts or substances known and proven to be lethal. Do you all drink? I know in some services I've heard of them drinking strychnine and other poisons. Do you all drink poisons? I have. I don't have no poison right now. We used to have uh, some strychnine that Brother Randy himself had made first, and, and it all got drunk. But now... I teach people like this. The word said if they drank any of it. That was the only sign that it said if. Now, I've drunk it before under the anointing of God, and no harm has come to me. Then my first time I ever drunk it, the street night, my first time I drunk it, my nerves went to jerking. My joints 
stiffened up, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I'll have mercy on you this time, simply because I was doing it to try to prove a point. Because there was two young men drinking in the service, and they had made a comment earlier in the day that I would handle serpents. They said, Brother Andrew will handle serpents, and he won't drink the deadly thing. And, of course, once again, young and ignorant, I thought, I'm going to prove to you the point. How, how would I, I know, if I was in your service, uh, Andrew, how would I know that this jar or whatever this liquid's contained in, how would I know that that, in fact, is a lethal substance and before not just service, pure water? Before service, I do let it be known. And in most cases, I've always tried to put a piece of tape around the jar. I've seen this many times. People put tape around the jar and write the deadly thing across it. Because, I mean, that is that is a good, that's a wonderful question because you never know when some somebody might come into church and they, they're going to say, okay, we're going to prove a point. That's just water. We're going to show these show these people out to be fake, take a drink of it, and it'd be poison, and it hurt them. And that's something I do not want in no way, form, or fashion. Okay. Um, another question. Uh, uh, this comes from Anthony, who's a biologist. He says, rattlesnake bites, even untreated, are not necessarily fatal. In other words, surviving a bite is not uncommon. He also says it's possible for snakes to even bite and not inject venom. But he says surviving a rattlesnake bite is not necessarily uncommon. To demonstrate, he goes on to say, to demonstrate your faith, why do you not handle deadlier snakes, such as an eastern brown snake or an inland taipan? Wouldn't surviving well, uh, one of those bites essentially yeah. prove God is with you? Uh, I, well, to, to answer his question, if, if I could have a taipan, I sure would. I've always thought they're some of the most beautiful serpents I've ever seen. In my time of serpent handle, I'll say this, the Lord has blessed me to handle northern, southern, and an Osage copperhead. I've handled uh, canebrake rattlers. I've handled timber rattlers. I've handled a gaboon viper. I've handled, uh, I had two eastern diamondbacks handled them. Uh, we handled prairie rattlers, uh, pygmy rattlers. Uh, I had a northern Pacific rattler we handled and a Texas blacktail that we handled. And uh, Brother Jamie Coots, the pastor Mills brought one time, he no longer has it, but he once had an uh, Indian speckled cobra that they that they handled. And, uh, I mean, if I, if I could get my hands on on something like that, I sure would. I mean, because now I was always the fan of an eastern diamondback, and of course, uh, and and the biologists would know, and any herpetologist would tell you, an eastern diamondback is the most aggressive uh, rattlesnake in the United States. Uh, them and the western diamondback venom is more 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 toxic, maybe I believe, more more potent than it is just a regular timber or a canebrake rattlesnake. And uh, my my wife actually, the the big eastern diamondback that we handled, uh, it was about six and a half foot long, and. Uh, when we handled it, he, I mean, he was just a massive serpent, and uh, he was just so big. But my wife got anointed one day and turned as white as cotton. Tears began to roll down her face. She shouted across the floor, and she came and she got that big eastern diamond back, and she just watered it like she would one of our kids, just held it in her arms, and it just fell dead in her arms, just mush. I mean, just just dropped over like like a like you lay a tie across your arm, and she didn't shake it. Of course, I tell. You'll tell people if you have to shake them and beat them to death, you're done afraid of them, don't handle them. She just cradled it, and it just fell over. And, and it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever saw. Hey, the the snake hand. did die? Yes, the snake was dead. I'll say. And, All and, right, and now that let's... was the eastern diamondback we had. But now, uh, I like it. Uh, his question, if if I could, and in Tennessee, he was, you know, if, if I wouldn't serve bad jail time, which I know... That even if they was to walk in my church and me handling serpents, I know the the old law states that make six months in prison or six months in jail and fifty to hundred fifty dollar fine. But I would love 
for the Lord to move on me and let me handle something like a Taipan. Because, I mean, he's moved on me to handle, you know, Gaboon Viper and the Diamondbacks and the Prairie Rattlers and the different sorts of assorted serpents that I have handled, you know, and I know God's not too little. Or, you know, I, I believe God is a serpent. So he, he would, in other words, if there was, and I, I assume that there, you got you got this box full of serpents and he's going to tell you which one, does he, does you believe he directs you to tell you which one to pick yes, up? I believe. Okay. But I still, I mean, that question still remains, though, Andrew. How do I know? I mean, if it's just a feeling, how do I know it's box A and not box B? How do I know it's the the the, the yeah. yellow timber rattler, not the cane break tim- rattler? Right, right. It's just uh, just that personal instruction from God. I, but is it I'm, a voice? Is he telling you in an audible voice, or is not, it just not a so feeling? Not so much an audible voice that you can hear above everything in the church house. No, not a tile. It's a it's of course it's it's a still small voice that you hear in your heart. So you might be thinking. Like he said, box A or box B. I mean, you might be thinking, okay, I want to go handle the the massive yellow timber rattler that is six foot long and big as my leg. I won't, you know, I want to. You might be thinking, right, but the still small voice inside your heart might be saying, go to box B that has the 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 small small timber rattler in it, and you know, and that, and if you do what the still small voice, what God speaks to your heart to do, it edifies. Because if you're, I want to. You know, you might, I won't, and you might get in that box and scare everyone out of the church house. Okay. And, Andrew, we need to let you go. Uh, yeah, soon, but would, it, would, it be, would it be surprising to you if we, if we told you we believe the Scriptures tell us that all of this is going to come to an end? There would be a time here on this earth when these signs that Jesus promised in Mark 16 that we believe in, and we believe that they did happen, would it, would it surprise you if we told you that we believe the Scriptures teach that those signs would come to an end and that that time has already come according to what the Scriptures teach? No, sir, that wouldn't surprise me because I'm a firm believer that there is going to come a day that these signs will no longer be done, that there is going to come a day that we'll not be able to preach, we'll not be able to, to speak of God. We'll not, I, I'm with you on that. I just don't believe that time is now. That's the only thing. We, we, go, to, we go to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 13, and we believe that uh, that... That passage teaches that the time has come when miracles have ended. I, you've probably heard you, that argument. Do you before. believe that that passage teaches that, 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 that about a time when miracles would end? When, when it talks about, for we know the tongues will cease and, yes. and things like that, right. I, I do. I, I believe I believe there is a time coming whenever, because the Word taught us that His Spirit would, always, would not always strive with man. There will come a time upon this earth that, you know, that it will be, a dark and a, a dangerous and, a, and an awful time upon this earth. I when, believe that. I just. When do you think I, that I is? I don't know. Okay. I, I Andrew. Say, I mean, if I know, I, I would mention, or if I felt God had even instructed me, I would mention it, but I have no idea. Well, we think that First Corinthians 13 does tell us when that would be. Yeah, we believe that when God completed His revelation, when the when the when the written word was completed, when He had fully revealed His will to mankind, we believe the miracles were for the purpose of revealing and confirming the will of God to mankind, and when He had completed right. that work. Then he took the miracles away. Well, they, and, and later on in, in Mark 16, right after verse 18, where it talks about taking up the serpents, in verse 20, it says that these signs confirmed the word. That they, exactly. they, they were going on. So they were going out preaching this new message no one had ever heard before. And so they were confirming the word with these signs, one of them taking up serpents. Um, they wow. were healing the sick. They were confirming the word, and so that served the purpose. And then, for, But if we tie that in with 1 Corinthians 13 that you mentioned, Dad, that uh, when that which is perfect was come, that which was in part, these signs would be done away. 
All right. Well, see, I, I'm, I, I mean, I'm a personal believer that the signs confirm the word. It ain't It ain't for, I mean, if there's two of us standing side by side, we both took up serpents, we both believe it, what sign is that going to edify? It's to the non-belief. It's to the, the people that says, okay, I'm not sure about this. And, and, and like you said, there is going to come a time whenever his spirit, he will withdraw it from me. And but I, I, I my, myself, my interpretation is that we're not in that time yet. All right, Andrew, we need to let you go. You're babysitting okay. while you're doing all this, all this conversion with us. We appreciate all the time you've devoted to us. I got, I, I really ad, admire your good attitude. I'm so pleased that you were willing to talk with us again. We come, we come at this doctrinal question differently. We disagree. Right. But but I do appreciate that you would uh, so openly discuss uh, your thinking with us and allow us to question you about what you believe. Uh, we right. disagree. Well, I, I, I wish wanna... we we had more time to to study personally right. on these subjects. Yeah. Right. It, now I, I'm the kind of man I can agree to disagree. I might not see it the way you do. You might be right. I might be wrong. You know, I might be right. You might be wrong. I mean, you might teach me something I don't know, and I might teach you something you don't know. I'm just a uh, I'm just, I'm just a man. I'm, I'm in no wise, I, I'm not perfect. I'm in no wise perfect. I'm not holier than thou. I'm just a simple, simple young man in Tennessee trying to get lost people saved. And that's hope, that's what I hope the world sees is that I just want the lost to come to Christ Jesus and to get saved before, before it's too late. Well, and I hope I'm a witness or a, I hope I've helped you out. I hope with all my heart I have. Well, we hope the same. And, and we thank you again and, for, your, for your good attitude and for the time you spent I with w- us. I wish we were closer and we could get together and study in person. Yeah. But, but uh, you, you'd have Call to. Anytime. Call anytime. Come visit us sometime. We'll be more than happy to have anybody at the church. You're going to have to keep yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, if keep I come, you've got to keep the snakes keep in the, the box. Home, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andrew. Thank oh, you for your time, man. We appreciate you. Thanks for spending time with us. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Good night. Appreciate Andrew for joining us on the program tonight. Uh, you probably have lots of thoughts you'd like to share. The number calls 877-381-4567. It's toll-free. We're going to catch one break tonight, it looks like. Yeah, we'll do this. We'll do the bullet point break, Monty, and then we'll uh, come back and we'll go to the top of the hour and we'll get your thoughts. Lots of stuff in the chat room we'll try and work in, emails as well probably, and your phone calls. Don't, don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. What parent is there that has not been amused to watch their toddlers try to imitate the things that they've seen? Little girls want to cook like mom, and boys would love to work on the car like dad. It's fun to watch. There's a frightening side to this, too. Our kids continue to imitate us even when they get older. No longer is it little Susie trying to wear mom's shoes or Johnny awkwardly wielding dad's hammer. It soon becomes an adolescent who follows all the examples, both good and bad, that have been evidenced by the parents. Dad, do you have a bad temper? Do you speak harshly and in an unkind manner to your wife? Do you lie, cheat, curse? Mom, do you resent your duties as a wife and mother? Do you have trouble being submissive to your husband? Do you get angry without cause? Surely you see our point. No doubt you've thought of all of this many times before. The simple fact is that we are teaching our children mighty lessons by means of the examples we set before them. And there's no area more influenced by these considerations than our children's spiritual development. Many parents have grown to regret their own negligence in serving God when they saw their children begin to imitate their own indifference and apathy. Christian parent, how's your example? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. 
And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight as we talk about uh, serpent handling for the second week in a row. And Andrew Hamblin of the Tabernacle Church of God in Lafayette, Tennessee, has been kind enough to join us on the program. We just concluded our discussion with him, and you probably have lots of things you'd like to share about that discussion. We do want to say thank you to Andrew for being so kind to join us and for his uh, good demeanor. It was a good discussion, and uh, but uh, certainly we would disagree with his interpretation and um, would encourage him to, uh, to reconsider his view of these things. Let us know your thoughts, 877-381-4567. Been bitten four times, 21 years old. And, and, uh, I, I was looking amazing. back, and we, we apologize for not being able to keep up with the chat room as we were talking with him. And, but I did see someone in there mentioned how <clears throat> very subjective that he was in the things. It, it, I believe, it's, I think, I feel, uh, it's just my understanding, he would say, very subjective about and, and about the rules of how you how you go about this. Don't you you don't handle that snake unless uh, you know. God s- moves some on people it. put them on you. I don't do that. In other words, no, I was told if you go to one of these services, they'll come and lay rattlesnakes on you. But I don't do that. I don't believe that's what you should do. So very subjective in the rules about how this practice is administered. There was an awful lot of that in the things that he said. I agree. Uh, or I liked the comment that Kevin in the chat room made. He said he had done his search through numerous interpretations of the Bible and our translations of the Bible, and he had not been able to find the phrase, God moved on someone. And, uh, and uh, Andrew used that over and over again. But uh, it Kevin's alluding to the fact that that's an unscriptural term. We can't find that. We don't have any example of God so-called moving on people. Uh, Guest KY says, the Lord spoke to him, question mark. How? What did he sound like? How did he know it was the Lord? You know, and uh, again, we, we asked him, although there wasn't a, a good way to, uh, he didn't have a good answer for it. How would, he says God is instructing him to pick up specific snakes. There's multiple snakes available to handle. Right. But God is directing him toward a specific snake, the one that bit him and didn't hurt him. He said, God told me to handle that snake. But he couldn't tell us how God was delivering that instruction. You know, he, he used the expression, better felt than told. It's just a feeling. Right. Uh, I, I, there, there, there's a real breakdown here between what he's saying and the practical analysis of what he's doing, seems to me. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Monty's behind the controls tonight. Monty, you've uh, done a good job of biting your tongue. I think uh, your thoughts uh, so far tonight. Well, it's really hard to put what I've thought about it into words, really, because, like Greg said, he's not clear on how he, how he, what this feeling is, or how we're supposed to know when we're getting this feeling that uh, we're supposed to pick up one of these snakes. Uh, and like is mentioned, the Bible does it talk about god moving on me or i forget exactly the way he put it mm-hmm. so it, it's a got to be something other than what we read about in the bible and if we're doing something other than what we read about in the bible then we're not christians we're something else and it, you know it's maybe it's one thing if you think god has told you to pick up a snake but uh do you get do you act the same way on m- issues of right and wrong i mean do, do you god told me i just, to he just get moved drunk. on me he, that he it was okay moved me on, he told me it was okay for me to have an affair with that woman he or, just moved on me or you know now, that that just doesn't work, does it? Right. Uh, Kevin in the chat room says uh, mentions his in, his repeated 
reference to personal instruction from God, and guest KY says if everything is personal instruction or moved by God in your heart, then there's no way to challenge it from a scriptural standpoint, no scriptural evidence. And Kevin responds, yeah, it's my interpretation. I remember years ago a preacher telling me once a person thinks that God has communicated with them directly, it's really hard to get them to accept yeah. anything coming from the Bible. That's true. You know, the Bible may say this, but God told me this. Well, when people deceive themselves into believing that they've received a, a personal, direct communication from God, then then they have they have really destroyed the power of the Scriptures to prove anything to them because they think God's talking to them directly. Yes, 948 says, I have a question. In the Bible, we see numerous examples of preaching during the church service, the Lord's Supper, collections, singing, praying, etc. Is there any example, command, or anything that would indicate that we are to have a snake handling during our church worship? Mark 16 cannot be used because that is not dealing with anything during a worship service. I'm, I guess I'm curious to know if he does this all the time or just during worship. Interesting. Uh, and if you have not, uh, that you, you sent a link to that to article uh, earlier in our update email. If you haven't watched the video that's associated with that article, you need to watch it. It is, it is just bizarre. It, One of the points I wanted to ask him and didn't get to it is I wanted to ask him about 1 Corinthians 14.40, let everything be done decently in order. And it seems to me like there's an awful lot of disorderliness oh, in, in those assemblies. Uh, uh, I, I wanted him to address that, and I, and I didn't get to that. Okay. Kevin mentions God's the author of confusion is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Uh, the uh, uh, Dave in the chat room asks, I wonder if this man would ex- would accept if he saw that the Bible teaches his belief and practice is in error, would his faith in the Word be strong enough that he would not believe the lie? And that's the question. You know, in other words, what? Andrew Hamlin, nice guy. I mean, I'm very impressed. He's a super nice guy. I think he's he's very dramatically mistaken in his interpretation of the scriptures. He's putting his feelings above the the concrete, provable revelation of God, and and that's what everybody does. I mean, you don't have to be a snake handler to, to make that error. Most people in the religious world make that error. They they supersede the revelation with their feelings. Their feelings are more important to them than what the Bible actually says. And we've all got to be on guard against that. But I think that's clearly what he's doing. And But a lot of people say, well, yeah, that's what he's doing, and he shouldn't do that. But there are other people who are doing it in the religious world, too. How often in discussions of many different religious subjects have we said, have we heard people say, well, I feel, yeah. I think. Right. And, and bottom line, it doesn't matter what I feel or what I think. It matters what the Word of God says. You know, I've heard people say, well, the Spirit leads you one way and leads me the other after I've just pointed out a Scripture that specifically condemns what they're doing. And they'll say, well, the Spirit's led you one way and He's led me another. Well, we have to understand the Spirit is what inspired the apostles and the inspired writers to write the letters that we have com- companded into being the Bible. And the Spirit leads us through that written word. He's not acting on my heart. Because if he's doing that, then, like we said, when we've left what the written word says, we don't have anything to go on. Yep. And I can agree with the sentiment. Kevin uh, asked the question uh, in response to Andrew saying that snakes are beautiful. Kevin says, snakes, beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd give you an amen on that one, Kevin. Well, Andrew's a bio- uh, Anthony's a biologist. He thinks they're beautiful, but I don't. I don't like them. Andrew. Andrew said they're beautiful. Oh, Andrew did. Yeah, okay. Beautiful six-foot okay. rattlesnake. Okay. Uh, uh, a couple, couple of things. One thing that he said, 
he believed. Remember, we, he said he was bitten by that big cotton mouth on the back of his neck. Yeah. You know, it really, you would think that a snake bite on your neck would be lethal. I mean, when you think about the, the, how, how twice. quickly. Twice. How, it bit him that day twice on the neck, and you think about how quickly that would, that venom, if there was any, would be transported throughout the body. In, in, it, would, it, it should be deadly, but it, of course he said he didn't feel it at all, didn't swell up, didn't have any evidence of it other than blood came out of the bite where the snake had bit him. Uh, he said he believed that, it, that he didn't get hurt by that snake bite because God intended it as a sign. There were people in the church who were rejecting the message that he was preaching and that God let that snake bite him but not hurt him because God wanted to prove to those people that Andrew's message that day was from God. God didn't need to do that. God didn't need to do that. In other words, if, if, if anybody questions money, if anybody questions a message that we preach, what do we do? We don't whip out a snake and, and let it bite us to prove that we're preaching. We're God. We say, well, look at, we give them book, chapter, and verse. Look here. Look at the scripture. Look at this. This is what the word of God says. We, we can prove what we say is from God. We don't have to handle snakes or have other miraculous signs in order to get it In fact, it done. that's the only way I'm going to be able to tell Andrew's telling the truth or not because he could just be one of those snake charmers we talked about. I mean, this could be sleight of hand or a trick. The only way I'm going to know that Andrew's telling me what is truth is if I go to God's word. I mean, Mom. if he didn't die from the snake bite, there's every chance that it could have been just pure dumb luck. The Bible tells us that time and chance happened to all men. Right. So he just... Well, Anthony just had pure dumb luck that time. That Anthony that mentioned that, didn't kill him. <laughs> yeah, Anthony mentioned in the in the chat room that that even venomous snakes can bite and not deliver venom. So, I mean, it's possible that it happened that way. Uh, I if, if I needed a miraculous sign to prove that what I was saying was true to the Bible, every time there was an instance when somebody was rejecting what I was trying to teach from the Word of God, I'd need a miracle continually because in almost any audience, there are going to be some people who are rejecting what you're saying oh, as yeah. having been from God. Yeah. I'll bring a snake on Sunday just in case that happens. Well, don't expect me to handle it. <laughs> don't expect me to handle it. But uh, another thing that he, he mentioned uh, was when he had that almost lethal snake bite and nearly died from it, he, he, a, 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 another preacher came speaking in tongues to the hospital where he was and he said he knew once that he came there and that he was going to be okay but it took another half a week or more before he was able to get out of the hospital that i just challenge our listeners to think about the contrast between that and what we're reading the bible in the bible when there were healings they were instantaneous right he would have taken up his bed and walked yeah yeah uh i noticed too that that his that his when we pressed him for proof, he would say, well, I've seen things. You won't believe the number of things I've seen. I saw a little two-year-old child with bad tumors. I saw those, you know, him be healed of those tumors. Uh, in other words, again, it's a lot of personal testimony of what happened in some remote place in the mountains of East Tennessee that, that he's using as proof to the world. That's not the way it happened in New Testament times. Miracles were done before multitudes of people, throngs of people saw them and witnessed them. And so there's a real contrast between, and that's one of the points I think you have to bring out whenever you're talking about modern day people claiming miraculous abilities. You have to, you have to point out the distinct contrast between what they do 
and what was done in the Bible time. And just because somebody may be able to do a sign doesn't mean that their message is from God. Jesus warned that there would come false prophets and show great signs and wonders of, in Matthew chapter 24. So that Jesus is saying, and that, that may be limited to the context that uh, uh, that he was talking to you about there, but just in general, just because you see a sign doesn't mean you need to believe what the person says because there always is the sleight of hand, if nothing else, that could uh, be uh, at play here. Well, you know, the Bible uh, says to test the spirits. Well, right. if we're supposed to test them, what are we supposed to compare them against for this test? Well, it would have to be specifically for us the written word of God. And so they have to pass that test, not some I seen, I think, I felt kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, in First Second Thessalonians 2, verse 9, it talks about the working of Satan with with signs and lying wonders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people who don't love the truth, it says... They will. Uh, they that receive not the love of the truth, it, he will allow them to be deceived, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God will send them the strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And unfortunately, I, mean, I think that's what's happening here with with in, in Andrew's case. One of the I thought one of the most telling parts of the discussion. We're just almost out of time. When we asked the question, why did Mac Walford die? He really didn't have a good answer for that. Did you, did you notice? I mean, it just is it's his time to die. Well, I mean, everybody's going to die. As he, he quoted Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed under men once to die. Right. We're all going to die. But here's a guy who's handling a snake, claims he has the power of God to handle snakes, and he dies from the snake bite. Sounds like a false prophet, doesn't it? It sounds like it. I said, what's the sign? What was the sign that we're supposed to take away from the fact that Mac Walford died from a snake bite and his daddy died before him of a snake bite? He didn't really have a good answer. I'll tell you what my takeaway is, and that is that they're not doing what Mark 16, 17 says. They are not, they are not the, the beneficiaries of that promise. It was not intended for them. It does not apply to them. If they were the beneficiaries of that promise and he had been anointed, as this guy kept saying, and God moved on him to handle this snake, then Mark 16 says he absolutely would not have died. This says, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any day thing, it will not hurt them. So that, but that, that's absolute. It's absolute. If they'd done either of these two things, serpent taken up and getting bit by the snake or drink this poison, they won't die from it. That's what the scripture said. So if he was really practicing what the Bible says and was talking about right there, he would not have died. So since he did die, as Jacob mentioned, he's a false prophet, and obviously he wasn't pointed out by God to do this. I think that's I think that's what you got to take away from it. A lot of interesting things. I thought I just thought it was so funny though. He said they used to have some poison, but they drank it all. It all got drunk. Yeah, they yeah, had some poison, but it, it got all drunk up. But you know, poison. How do we know it's poison? I, he he missed my question. There. He didn't understand yeah, my question. Yeah. If I walk in there and they've got a mason jar up on the pulpit and, and and they've got a piece of tape on the deadly thing, how do I know that's not just water? Strychnine looks like pure water. How would I know that's not just water? And they're going to drink it, supposedly trying to convince me that they they have the power of God, but they're just drinking pure water. How do I know the difference? That that's to me, that's not the sign. That's not, in other words, I think Mark sixteen seventeen was saying as as these men went about preaching there were going to be some dangerous and calamitous things that might happen to them god wouldn't let them be harmed by those things yeah we see the fulfillment of it, as you mentioned yeah. last week in yeah, we see the fulfillment 28. in acts 28 when when uh, uh, paul was bitten by a snake after the shipwreck on his way to rome uh, but it didn't hurt him. But it's interesting. Paul didn't take up that snake. He didn't go hunting a snake down, have it no, in his No, he wasn't dancing around with and, it. And he he wasn't wanting a snake. 
the snake come out of the firewood. He'd been gathering wood. The snake come out of the wood and bit him, attacked him. He, he wasn't hunting for a snake. The snake came after him. And if we're going to go by scriptural precedents and examples, that's the only example of that in the Bible. And it was an accident Paul got bit. He didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, guest Kentucky says, I know what the sign is. The sign is don't handle poisonous snake. That, that's, that's my takeaway from it, too. I'm agreeing with that. Yeah, it's interesting that, 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 that they also said that uh, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It, uh, it'd be a parallel to them taking the snakes and dancing around with them in their worship services and going down to the uh, CDC and getting uh, some vial of uh, anthrax or something and dancing around with it and drinking it or breathing it or whatever you do with anthrax. I mean, that'd be the same kind of thing. I mean, wouldn't it be any deadly thing? It says you could right. you could handle the the most toxic things and not be harmed by it if their interpretation. But I don't think Mark sixteen seventeen was ever telling you ought to purposefully do these things. It says if you do, then these things will not have harm. And if they could really lay hands on people and heal them, why did the guys die from the snake bites? Why didn't they just go heal them? Right mean, of time, that would have Jay. been a miracle. You know, that would have really been a good sign. Yes, KY says you're a wise man for not wanting to handle the snake. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're out of time. All right, good discussion again. Good Thank discussion. you to Andrew. For we we appreciate Andrew, we, we, and we don't want anything that we said here at the end to be belittling him. I think he's a, a, a decent, respectable, very nice guy. We appreciate the time he spent with us. I think he's dramatically wrong in his interpretation of Scripture. Unfortunately. I hope it doesn't cost him his life. I'm afraid that it could. Hey, uh, you know, I, I took some ribbing uh, earlier this week for talking about the uh, serpent handling. Monday night, a preacher in the area he told me, he said he was really glad that we talked about it because he sees it's a growing problem that uh, people are wanting to pick up snakes and hold them. Oh, I don't it, Yeah, I mean, he just already said, so you, you wasted your time talking about it. In other words, he's saying that this, this... He was kidding, of course, but he said, you know, it's not like a huge problem that we're addressing here, this snake. No, but it's... It, but it, it, but it has it's, a lot it, of ramifications. In it's a bigger subject. Right. It's the whole subject of whether or not God empowers men to do miracles. That's right. the whole right. big question. And it was, it was all in jest, but I do think there are important parallels. But we've talked about it for two weeks, so we probably yeah. are done for a while. There we go. All right. Well, thank, thank you for being with us, uh, Monty, and for driving the board. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for your time, Dad. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. We hope you'll be back here this time. Oh, before we quit, we've got a special service coming up here. Acts 8, or Acts, <laughs> June 18th and 19th. That's a, a week from a Monday. week from Monday and yep. Tuesday, the 18th and 19th, right here in Columbia. Bible studies in the park, Woodland Park in Columbia. Uh, Scott Smelser is going to be here to talk about child-rearing principles from the scriptures. We're looking forward to it. If you have questions, contact us. We'll talk more about it next week. All right. And uh, now let's quit. Uh, we appreciate you joining us on the program tonight, and we'll hope you'll be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.